That's Learn to live more sustainably. Think about the world around.
Learn to live more sustainable.
probably back in the 1800s or late 1700s. I don't know what it's called, but you've probably seen it. Kind of looks like a little feather. It's brown. It's like a tall stalk. Oh, cattails. Cattails. Cattails, yeah. yeah. I think I personally like, like, look, I think cattails are pretty cool. Yeah. I actually, I really like cattails, but doesn't change the fact that it's an invasive species and that it's not good for the environment. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I like cattails. I think cattails are cool. Are nice. Um, yeah, wasn't there also there was um a beetle? Wasn't there a beetle from Japan? Those those big black beetles, and they seem to have really hard like shells too. Like it seems really hard to crush I've them. Seen them. I know. Um, I think it was actually in the early two thousands. There was there was a big issue with with the beetles. There were a lot of beetles that would like swarm yards too. Yeah. I even remember one summer that there were a bunch of beetles like on hmm. on my grass and like i swear like everywhere i'd look on my grass there was a beetle there were Me so too. many beetles i know um a little while ago i actually i heard uh, john wade mentioning that too that he he saw that too and it was even worse where he was i think it, it definitely does have a little bit to do with climate but um and look at that when we talked about the tick that species that that deer tick I oh believe. yeah yeah, that's that's a that's a really that's a great example of an invasive species. I mean, exactly. don't get me wrong, it's not a great species. It's a really <laughs> bad species. I I shouldn't say it's a great example, but it it shows that that I mean, okay, it is a good example yeah. of an invasive species. Um but basically, yeah, invasive species are a huge problem and what's really bad about it is that there's not a whole lot that us as humans can really do what they're doing here is that they're going to be removing uh like over a thousand juniper trees or something over like a 250 thousand square mile radius it's like the whole state of ohio that they're going to be doing this they're going to be removing a lot of trees and that does sound a little bad because we all know trees are really important for maintaining the balance of carbon dioxide and oxygen in our atmosphere absolutely um but so is keeping native plants too because it's not just cattle that utilize these plants it's not just cattle that eat this grass there are other like there are other small species like take rabbits for example these rabbits they might be feeding off this grass too and there might be a unique species of rabbits hypothetically i'm not saying there is but there might be hypothetically a unique species of rabbits that can only eat that sage grass and nothing else so if that sage grass were to not be available in that region anymore they would have to move to another area or they would quite simply just die they would just quite simply die and probably be severely reduced in population which could eventually lead to extinction so it's really one issue that it snowballs into a bigger and bigger issue over time and that's why invasive species is such a big issue Mm -hmm. and that could probably be akin to global warming um also because that global warming causes scarcity and resources well yeah yep and and also with the um sea level right that causes um sea level rises um rising greenhouse gases gases and especially for polar bears and arctic seals up in the north pole their um habitats being destroyed due to that and that make um cause um i'm not sure if this is um correct um a, a rise in certain populations of animals than others yeah yep and that's like that's like the biggest issue of invasive species because like 
it causes these other species to like so sharply decline like it's to a dangerous level mm-hmm. and it makes it so hard to even like for humans for people it makes it so hard for us to get the seeds of even just plants because there's so few of those native plants left it makes it hard for us to be able mm-hmm. to actually find those seeds so that we can plant it in protected areas that's one of the yeah. biggest issues with the uh, with the like native like dune grasses like it's really i mean we do have it but it's hard to find native dune grass because there's these other invasive species of dune grass that don't hold in the sand as well but it likes the environment it's growing in and because there's very little competition for it it's able to just overtake these areas and these native species are not able to effectively fight off these other ones because it's just choking it of all the nutrients that it needs it's it's a problem that really needs to more so not even be taken care of needs to be prevented because need to be prevented it can be the thing is is that invasive species it can be coming from other areas too that's how the whole thing with the the asian beetle started that someone somewhere came from a boat off of asia probably and um it somehow got onto american soil and it had no competition it had no natural predators so it just was able to reproduce (laughs) on and on and on thrive yep and that's the biggest problem with it, that there's no natural predators for these invasive species. So not really much can be done about it from animals or humans. Unfortunately, we do have to take a quick break on Sustainable U. We will be right back after a few short underwriting announcements on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 The Remember, being sustainable always begins with you. Time to take environmental action. Now back to our weekly eco-friendly discussion on Sustainable U, exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. To download previous episodes of Sustainable U, click on the Sustainable U tab at 1077thebronc.com. 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com live from McLaren's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. We are back. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I'm joined by Julissa Malvern. So, we're going to be talking about something that I kind of don't want to talk about because I feel like it is going to kind of get the wrong idea into some people's heads and that it's going to kind of refute everything I've been saying. But I just want to mm-hmm. make it clear. That with what I'm about to talk about, I don't want to uh, forget about the importance of like fighting to be environmentally friendly because it's very important. But you'll see. Okay, so it was found from a recent study from the University of Granada that over the past 30,000 years, there have been five deaths in the Great Barrier Reef. And as you know, there was very little human interaction 30,000 years ago. So it makes it it makes sense that it was just a natural occurrence. These things happen naturally and it just kind of happens. And the reason I hate talking about that, the reason I hate saying that is because I know people are going to get the wrong idea and say, Oh, if it just happens, it happens. You know, people are going to think that, uh, climate change isn't real. When I say that, when there is so much evidence, in fact, that climate change is very real. Climate change is such an issue and it definitely is exasperating this problem. It's making it worse. But I know that some people say also that the earth just goes through cycles where sometimes it's very hot and sometimes it's very cold and that climate change isn't real. Again, there is evidence that points to it that climate change is real. Now, I'm not going to discount the fact that the earth goes through cycles because it 
there is evidence that the earth does in fact go through cycles like look at the ice ages like the ice age it did again a very natural occurrence where the earth just naturally got very cold and it was just a huge giant snowball basically that was that was something that naturally happened and there was no human interaction that influenced that and it also makes sense there were probably parts where it was very hot too where there was also very little living and it was just like the basic bacteria that were living and that's also what gave fruition to the earth we know now but i don't want to discount the fact that it's very important to be uh environmentally um sustainable to be knowledgeable of what's really going on because the great barrier reef it is dying right now there's no denying the fact that it is dying it is getting worse and worse every day because the waters are getting so hot the waters these these they're very delicate organisms really the the coral they're living things they're not just like little like deposits of calcium some people think that coral yeah. reefs are just deposits of calcium and that they're not really alive uh they just degrade because chemicals or something and chemicals are contributing to it but the biggest factor to it is that the waters are warm and they have such a small range as to how like like how warm the water can be in which they live in and i believe that the great barrier reef um really um that's a that's a um coral reef that's a coral yeah yeah coral reef. yep and it's coral reefs are part animal and part plant yeah they're coral reefs are really interesting i even me i don't 100 percent understand coral reefs i i just know for a fact that they're living they're living and um i think there's parts of it uh, that are animal like there's like there's polyps there's polyps, polyps on the and, barrier reef that basically yeah. make up well the polyps are how it gets the nutrients um yeah. because there's like it has like a calcium body that you don't really see so much it's what people see are the polyps on top of it that are living and that they take in all the nutrients so that the rest of it can live because they live in uh, a symbiotic relationship where it's basically like they're they're one you know like hand in hand like they live with each other they're basically one organism um so when the polyps die yeah when the polyps die the rest of the thing dies too and that's happening because of the warmer waters and all the chemicals too and if i vaguely remember like the reason why it dies is because they're um codependent i remember in my um oceanography class remember my professor said that um, they're kind of codependent on each other. They kind of work like a team, like friends. And, and without one, the other can't be, can't thrive or exist. And um, the coral reef, I don't know how um, integral they are and what role they play in the ecosystem. But with um, the um, global warming, that causes um, the change in the water um, and that um, every um, living thing needs a certain um environmental temperature to live in and it's just not um good for the great barrier reef oh coral reefs coral reefs are huge coral reefs they they provide a habitat to so many different fish and so many different just like organisms in general like even some algae they live very close to the coral reefs because they also rely off of some of the byproducts from from the coral reefs too um Coral reefs are very important to providing a lot of the biodiversity in these tropical areas that we love and know and that we enjoy today. Like those fish I have like like I think they're called zebrafish. The zebrafish zebra. like in finding Nemo. That yeah. that zebrafish, yeah. Um that's a home of that. It's the home to 
uh, some other fish too. A lot of tropical fish that are really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. And it's not even that we'd be missing out on the beauty of these fish too. These fish are important to a lot of other larger organisms that thrive off of it. So we go back to the whole the whole chain of command thing. You know, one small difference means a big difference to other species down the line, down the food chain. It it again, it's like a snowball. It if one small problem happens, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse over time because everything relies off each other. Even things that you wouldn't think rely off each other, everything really everything really works together. And when one part of that stops working right, everything else stops working too. Yeah. And really with coral reefs, they're like amazing because um, they are part animal and plant. And this is um, detrimental also, but not just for the polyps, but for other um, sea life, marine life that um, are codependent on, their, on the survival. And I know that in their, just their composition, coral reefs are very... Um, hard and they could um really um prick you like if you were to um go um near one it could really damage your skin but um even though they're not i believe that they have that exterior to um protect against um other um animals yeah that makes a lot of sense but even though they're not the most pleasant to um be around in um terms of interaction like people and um them it's they're very crucial to our environment and it's not good that they're um dying off and one of the other things that's causing such a sharp decline in coral reefs is a lot of shipwrecks too what what a lot of ships do like particularly like the larger ships like freight ships is the bottom of the hole will scrape up and just destroy a huge path of the reef as it's going along and sometimes it causes a lot of these ships to um well i mean i I don't want to say sink because they would have to be in really shallow water for that to happen for them to actually sink um so they wouldn't really sink but it would cause a lot of damage to the whole of the ship so it's not only destroying the coral reefs itself it's destroying the ship too and that's more of an that's a much more avoidable issue that's a much more avoidable issue that People can change their course. They can change their course so that they don't run into these these reefs and that they can go around it. Or if they can figure out their tides, then maybe they can just go over it too. Because I feel like a lot of these sailors, it's hard to tell sometimes when the tide is high and when the tide is low. So if they're able to figure out when the tide is high and the tide is low, they might go during high tide. And that would cause a lot less destruction of the barrier reefs too. But... Another big issue for the barrier reefs is the, it's called calcification, where there's more calcium in the water. And what that causes is it kind of blocks up um, the flow of, of the polyps. So the polyps are not going to be able to bring in those those nutrients. They're not going to be able to bring in uh, water, oxygen. They're not going to be able to do any of that because it's being choked out by all the calcium that's depositing on top of it. And that's being caused from numerous sources. There's a bunch of chemicals, um, some fertilizers they wash out. And the thing is, like fertilizers, they go far into the water. It's not just the edges of water where some of that algae is. It, if one thing goes in the water, it stays there. It's, it's going to be staying there forever. 
like a long time and that's one of the things that people don't realize and that's also due probably to to the processes you probably everybody probably remembers learning about it like evaporation precipitation Mm -hmm. condensation and all that runoff that that um when the um chemicals from the ground run off into the water that's um it has to go somewhere and the coral reef would have to take that in and even when um you're, you're evaporating water from the soil or from the ground where it has pollutants that evaporates and it, it precipitates. It's kind of like a give and take. The whole entire earth and um, atmosphere is is basically um, a, a process. It, it's kind of like all works together. Yeah, and uh, actually relating to what you're talking about, like precipitation and all that, acid rain. Acid, acid rain, rain. Yep, acid rain is a very real thing, and a lot of it is caused by the use of coal because we all know how wonderful coal is we all know coal is a wonderful fuel i'm being very sarcastic when i say that coal is it's an effective fuel but it's not a clean fuel um there's a lot of soot a lot of carbon that goes in the atmosphere and that happens and that is largely what contributes to acid rain and it's not even the u.s that's the cause of this particularly it's a lot of third world countries that still use coal as their main source of fuel and it's still it's letting off so much soot into the air that it makes the rain level literally like acidic it makes it acidic and if you ever look at um a lot of old statues are made of limestone uh if you look at pictures taken before and after you'll realize that it's like it looks like it's like melted down almost because the the acid from the rain like like the acidity of the rain it almost melts it. it like it dissolves and like disintegrates like the limestone and that that's also causing a huge problem for the coral reefs too because they live they need to live in an environment with a very specific ph um in case some of you don't know ph is how acidic or how basic uh, uh a liquid is um if something is basic it's high in alkaline if something is acidic it's uh Oh God, I actually don't remember. That, that's that's something in chemistry class I don't remember. Uh, I'll be honest, but basically, you don't want acidic water because acidic water. Think you don't want to be drinking acidic water, and we're just drinking it. We don't even live in it. These coral reefs, they live in it. So like, it would quite literally disintegrate the whole thing, and that's why a lot of these. It's it's a combination of the calcification and uh, acid. Uh, the uh, the acid in the water too. It's a combination of those two things that contribute to the death of these coral reefs. It's a really big problem, and I don't want people to think that because there were five deaths that happened over the span of 30,000 years, it's something that we don't need to pay attention to because we do need to pay attention to it. It's a big problem, and there's only something we can do. Even if it is a natural process, we can at least delay we can delay the rate of it. We can decelerate the process, and we can enjoy these beautiful reefs uh, for longer in our lifetime for other generations to come. Unfortunately, we do have to take a quick break on Sustainable U. We'll be right back after a few short underwriting announcements on 107. Remember, the Bronx being sustainable always begins with you. Time to take environmental action. Now back to our weekly eco-friendly discussion on Sustainable U, exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. To download previous episodes of Sustainable U, click on the Sustainable U tab at 1077thebronc.com. 1077 The Bronx and 1077 The Bronx.com live at Kalarni's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Jaleesa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. And for the fourth topic, 
will be talking about how to be a beach hero. And this, this corresponds in um, pertinence to the global warming topic that we've been um, expounding on. I think it's a bit of a palate cleanser from global warming. Yeah. And basically it gives you tips on how to be a beach hero. And basically they said that this this is crucial in like keeping you know your environment clean and um tidy they say um you should leave beach cleaner um the beach cleaner than you um you should first leave the beach cleaner than you found it that means um pick up trash even if it's not yours and it means um using less um plastic um because it could um choke sea turtles and um basically um the, they say the equivalent of one garbage truck of plastic is dumped into our ocean. And they also said that um, you should choose coral-friendly sunscreen because they said chemical sunscreens can be toxic to marine life, which I thought was very interesting because you wouldn't think that. And they said choose like a mineral sunscreen instead. Now, going back to what you were saying about leaving the beach cleaner than you found it, that's a very easy way that you can, everyone can take part in cleaning up the environment around you because it's not hard to pick up trash around you. I get it. Even if it's not your own trash, I know you don't want to pick it up. Trust me, I'm the same way. I don't like picking up other, other people's trash either. Cause me I mean, neither. like, you don't know what they did with it. And I, I totally yeah. get that. I totally get that. But like, I don't know. Maybe bring gloves with you and put them on and pick them up. I mean, I know that's not the first thing I think of, but I don't know. Maybe now that I said it, maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe everyone's going to start bringing gloves now to the beach just to pick up trash. But the other, the other thing they say in this is, number one, use a reusable water bottle. That's that's a pretty simple thing to do. That number is very two, simple. Number two, what most people don't know or don't realize, I should say, is the how bad straws are how bad plastic straws are for the environment i I feel like i've talked about this in the past that's very cool i feel like i've talked about it in the past i don't know if i have but i think you did the um, a few previous um segments or maybe you were talking um to me or someone else about it but i must have but the straws um remember you said that the the steel straws are better yeah yeah that um i heard that in other states i don't think it's in new jersey they banned straws plastic straws period because they said it's um very detrimental to sea turtles and other life yeah i mean think you you these companies they make these straws they make it for a one-time use thing literally what you're doing you're using a small little plastic thing using it once and you're throwing it away you're never going to use it again and it doesn't matter if you I shouldn't say it doesn't matter because it does matter, but even if you throw it away properly, it still get puts it still gets put in a landfill. You can't really recycle straws anyway, so it's not even like you can recycle them. It's a one-time use thing. It just gets dumped in a landfill and nothing really gets done with it. It's it's really bad. I mean, alternatives to it are you could use they make metal straws. They also make wooden straws too. I think having a wooden straw would be pretty nice. A really nice wooden straw, even like a bamboo straw. They make those too. They make straws out of bamboo. And I think that'd be really cool because in case some of you don't know, bamboo is hollow in the middle. So uh, a bamboo plant would actually be the perfect candidate to make a straw because it's basically like a straw anyway. I mean, 
Alternatively, you can use like, you know, Twizzlers as a straw. <laughs> you can use Twizzlers as a straw if you really wanted to. But, yeah. Um, going to the uh, the sunscreen thing. So they say that you should use sunscreens that don't have certain chemicals in them, um, such as oxybenzone and octinoxate. I, I, I probably, yeah, I definitely butchered how I said that, but um, those are harmful chemicals for coral reefs, and they're now making sunscreens that don't have those chemicals in it. Um, Hawaii actually banned those recently, so there are other sunscreens out there that don't have those chemicals and are a lot more environmentally friendly, and one thing I'd recommend is don't get the spray sunscreen. I know it's easy, but it's an aerosol. It definitely has aerosol chemicals in it, and it's not good for the environment. Just use the cream. I actually prefer the cream anyway because Mm -hmm. I know I'm getting every spot when I put it on with the spray. It definitely does not disperse everywhere, and there are spots where you're going to get sunburnt and others you don't. It's going to look weird. Also, they said eat local seafood and eat lower on the food chain. Because they said that seafood gets let out, left out on the farm um, to table movement. Um, and they said that 31% of fish populations are globally overfished. And they say U.S. fisheries among the best are man, man, are, um, U.S. Fish, fisheries are better managed in the world. And um, we probably you probably remember us talking about um, the, the seafood crisis, about how in other countries um, that... I think it was in um, Taiwan that um, the um, laborers for um, were um, having unfair mistreatment, and um, that would also help too if you um, ate local seafood. And what we also talked about the mercury found in it. I remember but- I was talking about that. Yeah, the good thing about eating locally too is you're supporting local businesses too. Um, you're not sending money out to an international company where. You know, they see your money as just a statistic. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, if you're buying locally, it's helping out someone close to you. And also, it's ensuring that it's fresh. It's ensuring that it's fresh, it's well-managed, and it's probably just better in general, too. Because, like she said, the industry is a lot more managed in the U.S. than it is in other countries. It's a lot more sustainable. And we make sure not to overfish. We make sure not to overfish and take care of our populations. And also they talked about um, being, um, putting your money where your towel is, like, it's kind of like a play on words, like money where your mouth is, but they say donate to beach groups that help protect the beach. And um, that's very um, good because you have a group that donates to beach beach protection, then then you're doing a good service in um, protecting the beaches. And I don't know if some beaches adopted certain laws where you could be fine for putting trash, for littering, or like. Oh yeah, there they def there definitely are. Like um, Island Beach State Park, that's pretty close to me. I know they definitely if they catch you like dumping because there are park rangers. It's a state park. If they catch mm-hmm. you dumping trash on the beach, you're gonna get fined for that pretty heavily yeah. too. It's like it's at least 250 bucks if you get fined for that. It's probably going to be more depending on how much you dump so that that should be pretty good yeah that should that's expensive just take your own trash take it somewhere if it's a lot take it to the dump it's not that big of a deal um next if you see an injured animal um do whatever you can to help it uh we like if you're fishing just for fun just throwing it back out 
sometimes accidents happen. I get it. Like, I know a while ago when I was fishing with my dad, when he was casting his line, um, the hook actually got stuck in a seagull. The hook actually got stuck in a seagull while he was uh, casting it. And that happens. It's actually more common than you think. So what he did was he did the right thing. He... He carefully got the seagull closer to him. He was very slowly reeling back, and whenever the seagull was fighting, he would just—he wouldn't do anything. When it was calm, he would slowly reel in. That's what you're supposed to do, and it was—it was a little hard to do. But he—he uh, he got the hook out of the seagull, and the seagull seemed fine. The seagull was able to fly away. It didn't really seem too hurt. Um, so, like, if you ever cause an accident, and accidents happen, sometimes that stuff happens. If if you cause an accident, do whatever you can to help the animal, to uh, to help it out. And last but not least, just common sense, common sense. Don't go out on the beach drinking alcohol. Be respectful to others, and don't leave your cans on the beach. I mean, it kind of goes back to the yeah. first thing we said: don't leave trash on the beach. Um, uh. And yeah, help out if you see anything else on the beach. It's really, it's common. It's it's easy things to do. Anyone can do these things. That's the beauty of it. Anyone can do this. Unfortunately, we are out of time on this episode of Sustainable You. We will be back next week at the same time uh, on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Your eco-education for this week is complete. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Sustainable You. Listen to Sustainable You every Saturday. Now at its new time, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. If you would like to hear a replay of this or previous episodes of Sustainable You, click on the Sustainable You tab at 1077thebronc.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Simply search Sustainable You on Apple iTunes. Sustainable You on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten in part by the Trenton Farmers Market. 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmer's market. Open all year round. Team Toyota of Princeton. Are you a part of the team? Terhune Orchards, 330 Cold Soil Road, Lawrence. 200 acres of locally grown Jersey fresh fruits and vegetables with country-style service. The Ryder University Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green. And Lawn Crafters, LLC. Helping you create a landscape that you can be proud of. It's easy being green with Sustainable You. Every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. exclusively on 107. 1077 The Bronx and 1077 TheBronc.com.